This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. The word of God for our meditation on this Confirmation Sunday is taken from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1. I'll read for you verses 8 and 9. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and especially you ten young brothers and sisters in the faith. Confidence is a funny thing. One moment you can be just brimming with confidence, and then in a flash that confidence can just all go away. This happens to me fairly often on the golf course. You know, I get out there and I'm feeling good, I'm feeling loose, I'm relaxed, I'm hitting a few good shots, maybe I'm even hitting a green or two in regulation, might even make a few pars in a row, and I begin to think to myself, foolish guy that I am, hey, this game isn't so hard. And then I slice one into a farmer's field and shank one into the woods and drop one in the drink, and before you know it, it's all three putts and triple bogeys. Coaches and sports psychologists will tell you that self-confidence can give an average athlete or team uh, the courage and the focus that they need to defeat a a much more talented opponent. But on the other hand, a lack of self-confidence can cause a very talented athlete to not really live up to her potential. Self-confidence can make all the difference. When it comes to matters of faith... Self-confidence is always a disaster. And so one of the goals I have this morning in this confirmation sermon is to take away your self-confidence. I want you to take your eyes off of yourself and focus them squarely on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to be confident, but I want you to be confident in Christ alone. And on the basis of God's word before us, I'm going to give you two reasons to have that kind of confidence. First of all, our faithful God promises that he will keep you strong, firm in faith until the end. And secondly, that same faithful God tells you, promises you, that you are blameless in his eyes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confirmation, as the ten of you know, that word means strengthening. For the last two years, we have studied God's word together as it's been outlined for us in Luther's brilliant small catechism. You have grown in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You have been strengthened in the faith. You have matured. And now you are ready to receive your Savior's true body and blood in Holy Communion. These are just wonderful, wonderful blessings. But I want you to get the idea out of your head right now that you're done, that you have graduated, that you've reached some kind of plateau. Forget any thought that you don't need to keep growing in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that somehow you've arrived, that we've taken the dials on faith and turned it all the way up to the max and there's no place else to go. No, you need to keep growing all the time throughout your life. Faith maintenance is a never-ending exercise. Why? Well, because insidious enemies 
are constantly trying to destroy your faith. Because the devil keeps on lying and the world keeps on distracting and even your own sinful flesh, that traitorous sinful flesh is constantly trying to convince you to do something better than follow Jesus Christ as your Savior. And because, my young friends, these insistent, incessant, terrible attacks will not let up until you are safe at home in heaven. You guys love my old sayings and my my strange words that I like to say in class. You always tell me that you're certain that I'm making these things up. And for the rest of you, let me just give you an example that actually happened in class so you understand what I'm talking about. One day, I used the word flabbergasted. I said somebody was flabbergasted by something that they saw, and these ten young people looked at me like I was nuts, and they were convinced that I had made it up. And I'm thinking that right now they're still thinking that I made that word up. I didn't. It's a real word. Here's another saying, and I promise you I am not making this one up. An army marches on its stomach. You ever heard that one? An army marches on its stomach? Okay? That is a real saying. And it means this. It means that soldiers can only function and fight effectively when they are well fed. For this reason, our military has come up with some special meals to keep their soldiers and sailors and Marines really well fed. There's something called MREs. You may have heard of that. Meals ready to eat. It's a little prepackaged meal that has everything you need. It's got an entree. It's got a side dish. It's got dessert. It's got drinks. It's got everything. And they are about 1,200 to 50 1,500 calories each, which is a lot. But there's even one that takes it up a notch. There's something called a first strike ration. That ration, that meal, has 2,500 to 3,000 calories each. Now, the daily recommended caloric intake for the average person, if you look on the back of a can of beans or something, it says according to a 2,000 calorie a day diet, which also is really quite a bit. So why so much more in a single meal, 2,500 to 3,000 calories? Well, that's because battle requires a lot of energy. Fighting is intense and exhausting work. Every single day of your lives, without exception, you go into battle. There are forces around you and forces within you who are bent on your destruction. They just want to take you down. Satan, the world, and your own sinful flesh, these are vicious enemies who are dedicated to your destruction. They're going to try to convince you that all this religion stuff is just a bunch of garbage for weak-minded people. It just is not true. They're going to tell you that Jesus, ah, he may have been a great teacher, but he's certainly not God or your Lord or your Savior or anything like that. They're going to tell you again and again that the Bible is nothing but a pack of lies. It's just a human document. It's filled with some good things, I guess, but, but mostly it's a bunch of lies and contradictions and myths and fables. They're going to tell you that the church is really just out to separate you from your money and take away your fun and certainly isn't going to do anything good for you. They are going to try to destroy you spiritually. You need to fight them. You need to fight them every single day. And to fight them, like those soldiers I mentioned before, you need to be well fed. Listen to the promise of God's word to you today. God says, He will keep you firm to the end. 
In other words, he will feed you. He will nourish your faith and keep it strong. He's going to empower you through word and supper to wage those daily battles, to fight the good fight of faith, to cling to your Savior and to his saving word. You know what? If you or I, if we were left on our own to fight that battle by ourselves for even a second, very shortly we'd be nothing left of us but a smoking pile of cinders on the ground. But you are not left alone. Your Savior promises that he is with you always. And not only that, your Savior has given you his word. You are not alone. A Christian like you, armed with the word of God, can tell Satan where he can take those lies. You can resist the devil and he will flee from you. A believer like you, who is nourished by the Lord's true body and blood and holy communion, can fight against the world's distractions and deceptions. A child of God like you, baptized in the name of the one true God, is empowered to live not just for yourself, but instead for him who died and who rose again for you. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you are soldiers in Christ. You are armed to the teeth. You carry the mighty word of God in your hands and in your heart so you can be confident. You can be confident because the Lord is with you, promising you his strength through the word. He is going to keep you strong. And that same faithful God who keeps you strong also says that you are blameless in Christ. You ten are all very, very young. You seem to be getting younger every year. Maybe that's because I'm getting older. But you're so young. I'm looking at my daughter right now, uh, who seems like she was born about a week ago. Um, But I know it was longer than that. You're very young. And because of that, I look at you and I think of you as better than me. And what I mean is this. You haven't had nearly as many opportunities as I have had to be unfaithful to the Lord, to break his word, and to sin against him. I've got almost five decades uh, of evil memories to trouble my conscience. My high school and my college years, uh, ministry and marriage and parenthood. I'll be honest, words have come out of my mouth that should have helped and healed, but did nothing but embitter and tear down and demean and hurt. And I've done things, things that were designed by me just to serve me and what I want instead of helping and serving others. And thoughts have entered my mind and my heart that would make the devil himself blush. This has happened thousands and thousands and thousands of times every single day, year after sin-filled year. I have utterly failed to love my God and my neighbor as I should. I have done all those things that our God hates, and I failed to do those things that our God desires for me to do. Frankly, I'm a mess. And that's just not going to change this side of heaven. Now, before the ten of you get too cocky and go, well, pastor said uh, we're better than him, I want you to realize that you too are sinners. And really, by nature, you are just as messed up and just as hell-deserving as I am in spite of your short time on this earth. Trust me, when you've lived as long as I have, and I know you guys think I'm ancient, when you've lived as long as I have, you will look back and you will have all kinds of evil memories that will keep you up at night sometimes too. We all do well to remember the truth of God's word that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You and me and everybody. But you know what? 
our God has done something about all of this. He's done something about our sin. Our God has taken action. He's done something, my friends, that not only allows us to sleep at night, but actually enables us to live in peace and joy and hope and confidence every single day of our lives. He sent His one and only Son for us to save us. He sent His Son all the way from heaven into the womb of a virgin, into our flesh. He sent Him to live in our place under God's law. And He lived there perfectly, obediently in our place. And that perfect obedience, that sinless life, counts for you and it counts for me as if we had lived it. God sent His Son onto the cross and into the tomb, bearing our sin and guilt and our shame and rebellion. And Jesus poured out His priceless blood on the cross to pay for every bit of that sin. It is finished. God sent His one and only Son out of the tomb again, fully bodily alive, victorious over sin and death and Satan. And in so doing, Jesus secured for you and for me and for everybody those things that we need the most. The forgiveness of our sins, friendship with our God, and an eternity of peace and pleasure at His right hand. Because God acted, because Jesus did all these things, because of His saving work, because He lived and died and rose again for you, you are blameless in His sight. Holy, pure, innocent, sinless, righteous, justified. Remember what that means? It's just as if I'd never sinned because of what my Lord Jesus has done for me. All right, here's another one of my phrases. See if you guys have heard this one. You ever heard about getting called onto the carpet? Called onto the carpet? No? All right. Well, to get called onto the carpet means that you have to stand before some authority figure, like your parents or your principal or a police officer or something like that, to answer for something that you have done, for something wrong that you have done. Well, one day, every last one of us is going to be called onto God's heavenly carpet. We are all going to meet our Maker on the last day. We are going to stand before Almighty God Himself in all of His terrifying holiness. But we will not need to be terrified. In fact, we will not need to be afraid at all. Because when God says to you and me, So, why should I let you into my heaven? We actually have something to say to Him. And it's not, well, I, I did my best to live a good life. And it's not, well, I think I was better than most people out there in the world. And it's certainly not, I really tried hard to keep my confirmation vows. No, none of those things. We have a much better answer. When God says, why, why should I let you in? We can answer with a single word, a name. Jesus. Because Jesus lived a perfect, sin-free life in my place. Because Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of my sins. Because Jesus, my perfect substitute, did it all for me. His righteousness covers my rebellion. And His, his blood has washed away all of my sins. Father, because of Jesus, you have to let me in. And you know what? He will. Because that is His promise. God is faithful. That means He always keeps His promises without fail every single time, without exception. 
Remember, my friends, the promise that he makes to you on your confirmation day. He says that he will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in those promises. Be confident in Christ and in Christ alone. God grant this to us all for Jesus' sake. Amen.